Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Simmer down with John Simpson. Brady Kachuk with the tip. His 100th goal in his 300th game, and it's a Gordie Howe hat trick to tie it. The sickest Ottawa Senators podcast. It's going to be sick. Well, hello there. It is high noon in the nation's capital. It is Monday. And of course, what does that mean? It means a little simmer down, a little simmer time. Opportunity to talk a little hockey here after what was an interesting weekend for the Ottawa Senators. Lots of focus on Sweden. Now a little time off. Do not play again until Friday. And very excited. This is going to be a whole lot of fun on a Monday. We're going to have an opportunity, just myself, going head-to-head with my good friend Tony Marinero, who, of course, started or was a big part of the SICK podcast uh, coming out of Montreal. So it's going to be fun to sit down with Tony, have an opportunity to talk, go back and forth between the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Centers. Can't say there's been much of a rivalry so far when it comes to this. Uh, so we'll see how it ends up playing out as we go forward. Uh, Ottawa Senators, of course, back on the practice sheet today. A couple of goaltenders on the ice. Uh, lots of skaters ended up going out. They were trying to get more comfortable, trying to kind of feel things out here. And uh, we'll see how they adjust. Now, they do say at the end of the day, for every hour that you've traveled, in this case, six hours, um, you end up needing that adjustment when you come back from Stockholm. So, of course, that's exactly what they'll end up having before they end up playing on Friday. We know last time, my oh my, seems like yesterday, went over, had a couple of games against Colorado, played great, won. And I remember thinking after that series at that time in 2017, they just made the Duchesne trade and played Colorado a couple of times. And I thought Colorado's never going to win another game this year. And at the same time, the Ottawa Senators are poised to go on a big run. So they came home. Still remember, we had the TSN 1200 listener party. We were locked in. We were there. It was Matt Duchesne. It was the excitement. All of a sudden, the first period comes out. They're rocking and rolling. Not a whole lot happened. Then all of a sudden, that old ship right there just ran out of gas. And as soon as it ran out of gas, that was the end of that game. And that was pretty much ended the season. Turned into an absolute disaster. So... We'll see. I think a lot of good feelings, a lot of mixed emotions as far as the way the Sens played on the weekend. Uh, But hey, results at the end of the day, they ended up getting four points. Now, this is also what sets up very interestingly for everybody out there. When you look at what has happened now, the Ottawa Senators have played 11 home games and only four on the road. They play five of the next six at home, so they'll be 16 and five. Think about that. That is absolutely incredible the way they set up the schedule. So my estimation, next five of the six here, better get some points in the bank because after that final 61 games of the season, going to be 25 at home, 36 on the road. I don't know how good of a road team this is going to end up being when it comes to the Ottawa Senators. So they better buckle up. And as I said, get ready to rock and roll come Friday. Five of six here, opportunity to get some points in the bank, and we'll see. I think for the group itself, whether or not the results are kind of the mixed play, it was a feel-good weekend in Stockholm, though. I look at the checklist of the coming-out party for Stutzla, that beautiful goal that he ended up scoring, just an absolute gorgeous shot as well by our good friend Andre Ringette, and the same time for the Swedes. You had the Forsberg-Brandstrom combination. You had the beautiful goal. Uh, you had Forsberg coming in. I don't think expected to play. Corpus Howell a little bit banged up. He ended up being outstanding. And I think for Daniel Alfredson, it was just a really cool weekend for him to get back with the Ottawa Senators. This is like being married, getting divorced, coming back again. And I guess almost a third time. 
and knowing how proud he is of not only the Ottawa Senators, but where they are as a franchise now and how they feel about themselves. He was center stage. He was behind the bench for a couple of games, had a chance to drop the puck. So I thought that was very cool from that angle and also nice for Forsberg and Branstrom to have a, a nice little coming out themselves uh, just to kind of celebrate that. And I think mixed emotions for the other three teams. We probably at some point here, I don't know if we'll do it on the show, though. We should make a decision on the sleep doctors as well. Okay. Of the sleep doctors that we ended up having, who ends up being number one? Does it be the Ottawa Centers? who got a couple of wins. Does it end up being the Toronto Maple Leafs? Do you fault Minnesota? How do you kind of look at Detroit coming out of this? As I said, I think the story of this was the Ottawa Senators, and also a big part of it was the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was William Nylander. It was certainly him going home, having an opportunity to put on a showcase. He is now at a 17 uh, point to uh, game point streak now. So he's played very well. Leafs are feeling good and uh, Sens feeling, feeling pretty good at the same time. So that'll be the main focus here. As I say, we'll look forward to a few minutes here for Tony to come on, uh, have a chance to go head to head. I'm fascinated by the rebuild in Montreal, uh, how it compares to what is happening uh, with the uh, Ottawa Senators. Where are they at with some of the young players? And I gotta say one of the most intriguing and I look and I know it gets Habs fans fired up at sometimes. Always watching a guy like Slavkowski to see where he's at in his development. This has to be one of the most unique packages that the team has put together as far as, oh, Jesus, look at how cool this guy is on a Monday morning. Let's forget about this Slavkowski talk from Sean Simpson. Let's welcome in the coolest man on the planet, Mr. Tony Marinero. How you doing, brother? I, I wouldn't say on the planet because that's debatable, but in Montreal yeah. and in the province of Quebec, without a doubt, without a doubt. Now, do you have to say just from an English standpoint, or is it English, Italian, and French? Like, are, are no. you the triple header here? I, I am working a little bit of French radio right now, as a matter of fact, on BPM yeah. Sports, Monday to Friday at around 12.40 p.m. I have a collaboration <laughs> on uh, on George Larac and Stefan Gonzalez's show. I'm on television on TVA Sports, Monday to Friday at around 5.30 p.m. with Jean-Charles Lajoie. So I'm doing it in French, <laughs> and I'm doing it in English, and on the weekends at home, I do it in Italian. Oh, that's outstanding, Tony. You got to get you something over in Italy to sell, but I guess the old ice hockey. Now, is this kind of a Corey Hart look as well with the shades going? Like, is, I is that wear kind of a, my hey? sunglasses at <laughs> night so I can, so I can. You see, we're happy in Montreal today because, of course, okay. we are Great Cup champions. You yeah, know, that's and, pretty cool. Yeah, you know, we celebrate championships in this city. I mean, I, I know in Ottawa you do as well. I think the Red Blacks <laughs> want to break up. Back in 2016, and the Ottawa yeah. Senators, they've never won anything. Well, they but, did in the late 20s, 100 years uh, ago. That's all we did was win championships, Tony. Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd like to see the tape if I can. I'd like oh, to see no, the tape, no, there's yeah. there's no tape of it, and it certainly has not been pretty when it comes to the Red Blacks or to the Ottawa Senators, for that matter. Uh, just quick thoughts on that Grey Cup, because I'm not a CFL guy at all. Uh, but I will say from that standpoint, this came out of nowhere. No ownership, no free agency. Uh, this is actually a pretty good story when it comes to the Montreal Alouettes. Well, their ownership was um, not very stable, to say the least, yeah. uh, over the last couple of years. And then Pierre Carapelado stepped in in the last year, and he said, you know what, I'll buy the team. And you have someone who steps up and buys the team, and of course, uh, he's involved in, uh, in, in media, whether it's newspaper, whether it's television. And he wanted to give the team back to the fans, and he brought a lot of stability mm -hmm. back to the organization, which was a huge turning point for this organization because – as much as they had good people in place before with unstable ownership and not mm -hmm. willing to not able to go out and get players and not able to make any moves because your hands are basically tied. So he came in, he said to Danny Machocha, he said, you're my man. This is your football team. You mm -hmm. do what you got to do. And I'm going to support you. 
Danny Machocha goes out. He hires Jason Moss as his coach. He goes out and gets a bunch of players who were, you know, looking for some kind of redemption, wanted to prove to the football world again that they still had some football left in them. Case in point, Cody Fajardo, mm -hmm. the MVP of last night's game. But I got to tell you something. Uh, I'm happy for everyone, obviously. Happy for the city of Montreal. Happy for football fans. Happy for the entire Alouettes organization, the ownership group. But Danny Machocha, I have to tell you, Danny and I would go way back because when I was working English radio, of course, and I worked it for almost 20 years, you and I worked for the same company. You were doing it in mm -hmm. Ottawa. I was doing it in Montreal. Danny was um, a full-time collaborator of mine. He would join me even when he was coaching a university football team, Les Carabins de l'Université de Montréal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he did that for several, several years. And he would join me. And I remember Danny was hired January 13, 2020. And the following day, I had him in studio. It's a conversation I remember like it was mm -hmm. yesterday. And, um, you know, that was his dream job. Danny Machocha grew up on the, in the east end of the city of Montreal in St. Leonard. He grew up an Alouettes fan. He grew up going to watch football games with his father and his brothers. He grew up watching championships. He grew up watching cup parades. And Danny was working as a quality control coach, I believe, in 1996 on a volunteer basis. Volunteer. Almost sounds like when I was working in radio. Volunteer. <laughs> but he was working as a quality control coach yeah. on a volunteer basis. And then in 1997, he started working with some of the running back souls and Pringle, also on a volunteer basis. Mm -hmm. And I remember Danny telling me, and, and I'll end it here, um, Simmer, because I know we're going to yeah. have to talk hockey here at some point. Yeah. But I remember Danny telling me, he said, <clears throat> I had a deal with my wife. He had a deal with his wife that for the first couple of years, help me out, help pay the bills. You're going to be the earner in this family. And mm -hmm. I promise you, within two years, I'm going to get a contract. And within two years, he got a contract. And then he moved on. Everyone knows what happened with the Edmonton. Mm -hmm. He moves on to the Edmonton Eskimos, wins over there. And then finally gets his opportunity in Montreal, his dream job. Yeah. And and I'll give myself a Barry Horowitz of the WWE. And I'm going to pat myself on the back for <laughs> nice. this. Nice. I told everyone, yeah. Danny Machocha is the guy that's going to bring a, bring a great cup back to Montreal. And last night he brought it. And I couldn't yeah, be absolutely. For him. Yeah, it is outstanding. As I said, watching some of it, and I'm more of an NFL guy, but a very good story. So exactly that. Enough of the CFL talk. Uh, let's move on, and we can go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you promised the battle royal. Where's the battle royal? What's the exactly. battle royal going to be about, Simmer? You and I talking about what? One well, team that's no good and the other team that's bad. Well, yeah, no, I don't know, but I don't know which one is supposed to be. I don't know how this is kind of going through, uh, where the Montreal Canadiens are. And I thought I, I dive it into my my most fascinating topic with the Montreal Canadiens. One I saw last week, and we'll dive into Cole Caulfield, whether he's yeah. a number one winger. But I want to ask on Slavkowski. I, I find this to be intriguing, and I think people, when you weigh in, think it could be negativity. Uh, I worked in the National Hockey League for a long time. I have not seen this type of a philosophy of understand year one. You can parallel back to Joe Thorne. You can talk to other people. Had eight points. Had eight points in the finish league now this year 15 games in he's got five points but people are thrilled shots on goal he's evolving as a player i have just never seen this model of development for a young player where he is developing in the national hockey league is that working right from what you've seen tony and do you think it's going to work long term to make this guy a star in the national hockey league which is what you expect out of a first pick overall or is this the next doug wickenizer <laughs> you know, Simmer, uh, I, I, I would hope it's not the next Doug Wickenizer with all Oh, and Wick was a good man. I, yeah. Control, but um, yeah. look, here's the deal. There's times where I question it as well. I wouldn't have started 
well, I, I'm not going to say I wouldn't have started Slavkovsky in the National Hockey League last year mm -hmm. because I would have had to have seen him, but uh, a lot more than I did. But I, yeah. I'll say this. I think as I look back, as we look back now, I think he would have been better off staying another year in Finland. I think he would have been better off playing last year at the World Juniors, and it didn't happen, all right? Now, it all depends on which side of the fence you're on, right? Because mm -hmm. for those who are going to say, well, you know, he didn't have a lot of points last year. He only played 39 games and he had whatever, 10 points or whatever he mm -hmm. had. A lot of people are going to look back and they're going to say, well, Joe Thornton, seven points in his rookie season, 55 games. <laughs> so, you know, the, depending on which side of the fence you're on, th there's arguments that you can find and there's comparables, right? Absolutely, yeah. This is what I know. This is what I know. He's a big player who got very, very hot for a period of five months was excellent at the Olympics, was very good at the World Championships. The the watered-down Olympics and World Championships. And I'm not taking away from him. I, I just it's think true. one thing when people talk about it, hey, let's remember this was not Olympics that had NHL players. But still, okay. you're, you're right. right. He did get hot. He did play very well. So he got hot for five months, and they said, you know what? This is going to be our guy. Now, yeah. do I think he's the best player in that draft class today? Because I didn't scout these players a lot. Oh, right? exactly. I don't either, Tony. So today, I tell you that based on what I see, and I'm not afraid to give an opinion, my mm -hmm. opinion is that Logan Cooley is the best player of this draft class, and Logan Cooley will be the guy, when all is said and done, who will continue to be the best player of this draft class. It's my opinion. Yeah, and I, to and I totally agree on that. That doesn't mean it's a slight. It's Slavkowski. Well, this is what I know about Slavkowski. He was bigger and stronger than pretty much everyone else during his draft year. When you get guys that are big and strong, they tend to get by on their physicality and or mm -hmm. their athleticism. Mm -hmm. And at that point, other areas of their game hurt a little bit. Like, for example, um, playing with your head up. Like, for example, maybe your stick handling ability. Uh, so he's got areas of his game that he has to work on because he never mm -hmm. really worked on them before. I did question his skating until I saw him at an ice level um, had the privilege of sitting in the front row on one occasion, invited by my buddy Paul, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and was there and had a chance to see him front row, and he was eating up the ice. He was carving mm -hmm. it up. And when he was <laughs> skating, you could tell that the ice was in pain because he was taking a piece of it. So his skating is better than I thought. In the last couple of weeks, he's in a good moment. He's playing with more confidence. He's picked up uh, a couple of goals in the last three weeks or so. He's picked up an assist. You see him using his body a little bit more. There's been one or two games where he actually leads the team with hits. You know, but at the same time, I'm going to give you an example on Saturday night. And I'll end it here yeah. with Slavkowski. Slavkowski scored a goal. Great. He had a terrible turnover, which led to a goal by Trent Frederick going the other way and took a penalty, not a good one, which ended up leading to a JVR power play goal. Mm -hmm. So once again, depending on whether you want to be glass half full or glass half empty, if you want to be <laughs> half full, you're going to say he scored a goal. If you want to be half empty, you're going to say, yeah, well, he had a terrible giveaway, which led to a goal. He took a bad penalty, which led to another goal. I, I say this. I don't necessarily agree with the development path they've taken with Slavkowski. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I understand why they're taking the path that they took. And the reason why they're taking it is that they believe that he's going to be better off in the hands of Marty St. Louis with Adam Nicholas not too far and practicing against NHLers every day. <laughs> That's what they, I understand the concept. <laughs>
Which well, con- well, I, I, well I, I'll, I'll jump in. First of all, I've never yeah. heard of the concept. It doesn't make any sense. Now, what experience does Marty St. Louis have with developing players? None. Now, he is a great guy. And, and again, I, I'm not saying it won't work. It's just really intriguing, Tony, because here's the thing. As you pointed out, I think his skating is great when he's up and running. He's a big man. And I remember having Dinah Zuber, this big physical guy. And Zuby went on to play a long time in the National Hockey League. But as he started to uncover it, he realized he couldn't shoot the puck very well. Being physical wasn't natural to him. Slavkowski's all about a little bit of flash once in a while. And what we're doing right now, and for people that have the glass half full, you're letting him buy. You're saying, listen, in the second year, it's okay. He's young. He's big. Now, I also look down the road at a guy like Byfield, who really was slow, slow out of the gate. His development was a little bit based on injury, but he didn't play a lot, Pony. Now I watch him play this year, and I'm like, in year three, wow, or year four, whatever it is for him, it's really clicked in. So I just find it super intriguing. But when you look at Joe Thornton back, he had 122 points with the Sioux Greyhounds. They felt like at that point he had truly done enough at the lower level. When people point to the Olympics and point to the eight points, he had a real strong playoff. I just thought, man, that's the part of the mistake at 18. Should never have been there. The American League probably not send him back. But what always happens is the same thing. Instead of correcting it at 19 years old, you continue down the path and I just think it's a super risky pass and I love when Craig Button is on and you kind of go through the whole yeah, thing so yeah. hey you're cheering for the kid I just don't look at it as a 19 year old and think to myself getting better better the point being and this always happens happens with young players 18 and 19 they kind of give you a little bit of leeway by the time you're 20 years old people are just picking you apart now you got to be consistent offensively yeah. and I don't see a guy that's overly physical and when I watch that draft video that they had from the Montreal Canadiens war room talking about a guy that grabs a bull by the horns and I don't even want to be negative about him but i don't even know what he is as a player at this point that's the intriguing part for me i, I can't tell you what he's going to be i know logan cooley is going to be better than him but i guess that's the intrigue and the fun of it like you said you see this raw specimen tony but at the same time I, I can't tell you what kind of an nhl player he's going to be or what impact he's even going to have you said something interesting about zubris and you said that uh, basically he wasn't physical by nature or he didn't have it in him I don't think Slavkovsky has it in him either. He's not a no, guy. Like no, a lot no. of people are, le- are are looking at him and saying, this could be the next power forward. This is the player he's going to have to mm-hmm. be. Now, all power forwards don't have to be mean. I get no, that because no. the modern day power forward is not as mean as the power forward that you and I were watching back in the 80s and back in the 90s. Uh, you know, you, you know, the Cam Neely's of this world and, and the Keith Kachuk's of this world and, mm-hmm. and the Eric Lindros's of this world. Uh, those could be some pretty mean guys and tough to play against. But this is what I would work on if I was them. He's going to have to use his body to his advantage the way he always has. They mm-hmm. could teach him how to protect the puck a little bit better. They could teach him how to protect himself a little bit better. Last year, he got caught with his head down, and he got he got tagged five, you know, four or five times. This year, he hasn't been tagged four or five times. So I'm going to tell you this. You talked about Marty St. Louis. I don't know how much of a development coach he is or he isn't because there's been a small sample size. What I do know is this, is that his skating is better this year than it was a year ago, and he hasn't been tagged as much. So some things are working. The fear that I have or the concern that I have is in terms of confidence. And as you know, for an athlete, confidence is everything. And that this is a player that knows that he's playing in Montreal, knows the expectations are high, knows he's the number one pick overall. And in his heart of heart, this guy wants to pick up points. And if he doesn't pick up points, his confidence is going to be affected. And when he doesn't pick up points, let's face it, when you're picked first overall, you're not picked because you do the little things. You're (laughs) supposed to be picked because you're going to be a difference maker. And a difference maker usually means a guy who either scores goals 
or picks up points. And so at one point, he's going to feel this pressure of needing to score. And if he doesn't score with regularity or pick up points with regularity, you know, at that point, his confidence is going to suffer. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people are going to try and end up spinning it. And look, let's be honest here. If this guy doesn't score goals and or pick up points at the National Hockey League level, he will not have been the, the best pick possible. Does not yeah. mean he's going to be a bad pick? But they yeah. picked first overall. They yeah, and I, I yeah, and this is a part as well. I wouldn't even want to. I don't know if he's that good of a player. And here's a here's some great examples. One, and we want to talk about modern day power forward. If I was a Montreal Canadiens fan, what do I hope he'd turn into? JVR. That's basically JVR was a bit of a softer player, big body, did well. And when you look at development and you look at trying to get better, as you said, uh, the point totals. Yeah, that's the expectation. That's the trouble for a young player that you get into next season and all of a sudden it's not happened, Tony. And also the other part. Hey, you've gone into a true rebuild. And I'll say from the auto senators, and it can be the luck of the year. They yeah. were lucky to get Stutzel in a sense of byfield. Obviously, we've done the Kotkaniemi one, but also a guy like Kotkaniemi, and I'll say Mika Zibanejad. There's a couple of examples of young players that actually had to leave that pressure. And not that Mika had the pressure the Montreal Canadiens have. Those guys actually left it and then figured it out. That's the part that you also look at, Tony, that I wonder for uh, Slavkowski how it's going to go. And, and you wish him nothing but luck. As I said, no, it's just more intrigue. It's healthy yeah. discussion. Now, let's get on to the cold. But, but, he, but he's in his What's second that? season, though. Let, let's let's oh, yeah. take it easy before we talk about him leaving. I'll end it with this. Is oh, that yeah, yeah. If he yeah. ends up being JVR, it's a bad pick. With all due respect to JVR, if he ends up being JVR, picked first overall, it's mm -hmm. a bad pick. When he was drafted, he was asked what his comparable is, and he mm -hmm. said Rantanen. And mm -hmm. Canadians fans are hoping he's going to be Rantanen <laughs> because Rantanen is special. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and that's the part when I watch them. There, I'll I'd lay twenty bucks on that one. There's no chance, like I said. And people will look at the slow to develop how other guys come along the path. I haven't seen it, but let's fast forward. Uh, love the conversation. I'll bet you the twenty bucks, though. I'll bet you the twenty. Okay, you okay. You have change for a thousand? Oh, absolutely. Okay, that's is it, it yeah. is it Liberian coin or is it? Well, you guys have your own money in Quebec yet, or is that to be determined later? <laughs> we won't get into that. Okay, Cole Caulfield. You guys yeah. had the fun discussion last week, and I ended up listening to some of it, and I, I thought it was yeah. great because okay. this is also part of the part when you go through rebuilds and you're building teams. I've been part of that, but I look here in Ottawa and you say to yourself, "You got a number one center in Stutzla." To me, Brady Kachuk, he is your old school power forward. He's a unicorn. You put Jake Sanderson in place. You go through some of these checks. Hey, it is a rebuild from. Montreal looks like they're putting together nice pieces, but is it star studded enough? Do you have that group like Tampa had like Chicago, Pittsburgh, you know, Colorado going through. And I look at a guy like Cole Caulfield, who, first of all, I love the guy. I love his energy. I love his passion. Do you look at him? And, and I know your guest said, no, yeah. um, do you think he is? And when I say that, Tony, do you mean, do you think he's a frontline first line player for Stanley cup champion? Is that yes. kind of the debate that you held on and that you feel that you feel he is that? I, I believe he is, and I'm going to tell you okay. why. I'm going to tell okay. you why. Once again, you can always get the stats to tell you whatever you want, okay? So the guest that I had on last week who says, if the Montreal Canadiens go to the Stanley Cup or they become a Stanley Cup contender, Cole Caulfield's not a frontline player, okay? Mm -hmm. That's his opinion. No problem. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, Cole Caulfield, I think, has a goal in his last nine or ten, all right? But before that slump... He had, I believe, 50 goals in his last 82 or 83 games mm -hmm. in the National Hockey League, okay? Obviously, it wasn't done in one season, but it was It was when Marty St. Louis came in, took over for Dominic Ducharme. For the next 82 or 83 games, I think Cole Caulfield had 50 goals, okay? 
So you look at that and you say, this guy's capable of scoring 50 in a season. Yeah. Now, I think there's going to be a season in the National Hockey League. I don't know when that Cole Caulfield is going to score 50. Okay. And I believe he will, you know, he'll score 40. I thought it was going to be this season. If it's not this season, I'm going to say next season is going to score 40. Okay. How many 40 goal scorers do you know if he becomes one are not first line players? Yeah, no, you wouldn't get into many, Tony. And as I said, that's a fun discussion for sure. Now, is it the one-dimensional goal scorer who doesn't do a whole lot beyond that? Is it a guy in the playoffs? But no, absolutely. And he also feels like a timely scorer. I guess the question is, as you look through some of the guys that have won Stanley Cups recently, uh, where do you fit him in? But to say someone like that isn't a frontline player, I have it as a fun debate because part of me, as I said, sees him a little bit one-dimensional. But then the other part that comes back to me, and I think of like a Claude Lemieux, or I think to certain players, players does he not feel like one of those players that's going to score the big goals and be the score the timely goals and he's certainly nothing like john leclerc nothing like him at all but i still feel like in the big moment is he going yeah. to have the impact of a kucherov or other guys in making plays no but i just feel like he's a gamer and how it yeah. shows up in the stats and hey you need people to score we saw this last year when you end up having to bring it and there's things that are missing in his game cole caulfield is not a, a huge guy but it is the passion and like i said tony when i do watch him play i just feel like he's got the flair that he is going to score you some big goals if you want to win a stanley cup Simmer, it all depends on what your what your philosophy is, right? There's a lot of coaches who like to balance lines. There's a lot of coaches who like to put go with duos and put a complementary player to, to end up rounding out that line, right? Chris yeah. Kunitz played on a number one line in the National Hockey Max Talbot played on a number one line in the National Hockey Pascal Dupuis played on a number one line in the mm -hmm. National mm -hmm. Hockey With all due respect to them, you can have arguments that they're not first-line players. At the same time, you can also say, yes, they were playing with Sidney Crosby. I get that, too. Canadians went to a Stanley Cup final couple of years ago right whether it was lucky whether what they went there right yeah the guys that got the most ice time was the Dano line Dano's winger was Gallagher <laughs> and, and Gallagher scored over 30 goals a couple of times in his career good player no yeah. doubt about it we're talking about Cole Caulfield who's possibly going to score 40 who at one point had 50 in a span of 83 or games or whatever it is and we're not saying he's going to be a first line player come on let's be honest and it doesn't matter how much ice time you give him and who he plays with and how he scores them and where if you score 40 goals, you're a first-line player. Now, if your coach doesn't put you on the first line because he <laughs> wants to put the number one centerman with two plumbers instead, that's fine. But a 40-goal score in the National Hockey League is a first-line player. Oh, absolutely, Tony. And, and also, as you point that out, and I think this is so accurate, the NHL, and this isn't something new, but let's go with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Everything that they did was in duos. You basically put, you know, is, is, is Caulfield and say, Caulfield and say Suzuki, is that a duo of a very good hockey team, top six, whether the first line or not? Well, they're a top six. Who that third piece ends up being, and I try to say that here in Ottawa all the time, and of all people, Matthew Joseph has been the glue that's kind of brought it together. History tells us there's all kinds of great duos over the year. Then you find that third part. Well, of course, they're not frontline players by themselves. The question is, who are they playing with? So, like I said, that's kind of the break. Uh, and then just thought I want to tell you something about, yep. uh, pardon me, I want to tell you something about Matthew Joseph before I, I, I forget what I'm going to say here because you just yep. brought up his name, okay? Zach Fucali and a couple of his friends and partners, they run a summer league in Montreal, all right? It's a three-on-three -three league. And, uh, you know, the Joseph brothers play in the league and, and many others. Nick Suzuki plays in the league. Caden Gooley played in the league. Pierre-Luc Dubois played in the league. Jonathan Drouin played in the league. Christopher Latang played in the league. I mean, there's so many. Anthony Beauvillier played in the league. Nick Delorier plays in the league. There's so many names I can throw out there. But anyway, long story short, uh, I went to a couple of those games this summer. 
And as a matter of fact, I uh, I called one of the games or I was a color analyst on, on, on one of the games that was being streamed. That's how big hockey is in Montreal. Summer hockey broadcasted yes. live with Tony calling it. The best three-on-three player all summer was Matthew yeah. Joseph. Hmm. He was absolutely flying. He was hungry. He was playing the league, which the games were once a week, I believe, on Tuesday nights. <laughs> he was playing it like every game was a Stanley Cup final. This kid is a gamer. And when I heard from here, and I don't know how true or not it was, <laughs> that the Ottawa Senators could possibly be dangling Matthew Joseph about a month and a half ago because of Pinto and his contract and this and that and whatever, I said, if this guy's available, and the chances are he's not getting traded from Ottawa to Montreal, but if this guy's available, you go grab him right away, and I could have seen him on a line with Suzuki and Caulfield. This guy, well, not, maybe not now, but a month and a half ago, I could have told you that this guy is better than a lot of people thought. Yeah, well, it is amazing, Tony, because I was one of the guys saying it. It was a checklist of who do you get rid of, Kubelik, uh, Branstrom, or Joseph. And here's a few things. When he first got traded, and this is part of what happens in Ottawa, but the mistake was when he came over in the Nick Paul trade, he was great. And then all of a sudden, he signs a four-year deal. He was terrible last year, Tony. How do you go an entire season not scoring an even-strength goal? He had three goals last year. Now, it was injury, but he was also sat out for whatever personal reasons. It just wasn't yeah. a good year. And, and this is the funny part. And you may have said that. You may have thought that. I'll guarantee you that any of the 31 teams, if Pierre Dorian, for where he was at with salary cap, if the Montreal Canadiens came and said, listen, we'll take that contract off your hands in training camp, I bet he'd do it. It was more Philadelphia and what would Ottawa add? And you're absolutely right. I mean, some of the best trades that are never made don't happen. He has been the glue guy, Tony, and, yeah. and it's nice to see. Like, it's refreshing. Any line, whether it been Stutzla that he's hopped in with, has got going. And what has been really refreshing for me, I always knew he had the pace. Never understood why he played the offside. But on the left side, he's not only playing with pace, he's playing with purpose for the first time. Yeah. I've never seen him off of the forecheck. I call them the triangle line because every time he and Stutzel and Drew set up, they set up down low. He's making plays. He's doing different things. And as I said, it has been an absolute breath of fresh air. And it is one of those things. It's a duo. You know, and, and, and he all of a sudden slides in as that third part. Well, now he's elevated past that point. He is making everybody else around him better, which I would have never thought, yeah. Tony, that would ever happen. Hey, I got two minutes before I break away because I have a segment on, uh, All right, on brother. BPM Sports Radio, but I'm going to tell you this. Hopefully, Kubelik is watching. If not, it's going to get back to him. He is killing my pool right now. Oh, he is man. killing my pool. He's still on the third <laughs> line in Ottawa? Still on the third well, line? He's on the third line, but you know what, Tony? The one thing about him, he looks good. I got to tell you, if yeah, well, you're getting in your pool, if you're well, getting marks for looking good, geez, then I'm he so looks happy to hear that. <laughs> no, he looks apart. Like he's good size. He's pretty yeah. smart. He skates well. The unfortunate, nothing happens. So I don't know, as I said, I don't know if there's show points in your pool because he shows well, but nothing happens. He gets the odd chance. He teases you a little bit. He's got the four goals and not a terrible hockey player, uh, but certainly not what we expected coming back as a featured piece of the Debrinka trade at the time. Yeah, before we break away, I'm sure the new general manager now knows, based on what happened with the old general manager, that if you trade a player to another team, you're supposed to make them aware of the 10-team no-trade list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that was aware. a big yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, that was a big story when it happened, and I brought it up, and then it went real quiet. I never expected them to lose a first-round pick, but history tells us whether it's sports or life, Tony, uh, lying will catch up to you at some point. It was not a I, good look for the Ottawa Centers. I have a suggestion for the Ottawa Centers. If they want to make the playoffs next year, ask Gary yeah. Bedman if they can play half their season in Sweden. 
<laughs> that wouldn't be a bad idea. We're and actually, dying. with all the road, yeah, it was it was good, a good showcase. Now, 2017 came back, turned into a complete gong show. I don't feel that this time around, Tony. But man, oh man, they got a ton of road games coming up, so we'll see what happens. And awesome to catch up with you. I'll hey, look forward to catching up down the road when together, it's more of a Montreal, Ottawa. Together, you and I were fire, my friend. Look at this. Oh, oh, nice. Look at it. We're on fire, my friend. You and I oh. were on fire, and. Um, and it's very fitting that Michael Anlauer bought the Ottawa Centers because, like I've told the city of Ottawa for the longest time, going back to when I was working radio for 20 years, and we would simulcast mm -hmm. and we would tease the heck out of mm -hmm. each other, Ottawa and yeah. Montreal, I always told them, the Habs own the Sens. <laughs> well, there you go. A part owner ends up coming over, and that's exactly what it ends up being. But it is a bit of positive, and hopefully we'll get back. Man, oh, man, them playing in the playoffs is some of the best hockey that we've seen in this area in a long time. And not going to happen this year, uh, but hopefully in the future, brother. All right. We'll talk to you soon. You're a Okay, cheers, Tony. Forget. All right. I'm enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers, cheers. brother. Well, there he is, the uh, heartbeat of the Montreal Canadiens, and always great to hear the passion, to feel it. Uh, one thing about Tony, and I'm never afraid to say it, uh, when he is on, uh, he is a big fan of the Montreal Canadiens, so I find that intriguing when he gets passionate, he gets worked up, and just talking about the rebuild, because I will say this, when I look back to the Toronto Maple Leafs, what they went through, I look at kind of the blueprint of the Ottawa Senators, it feels like the Montreal Canadiens have collected a lot of nice pieces but I can't look at anything definitive. I guess you look at Suzuki, you look at Caulfield, but then after that, when you start to look at some of the young defensemen, they've got a lot of nice pieces. Who's that anchor on the blue line? What are they going to end up doing in goal? It looks like Montembeau, they're going to sign to a contract extension. He is pretty good, but I think so much of this hinges on a guy like Slavkowski, and there is nothing that I've seen out of him so far other than to realize that he's raw, that he's got some talent, but I don't see superstar status. And I think after this year, if he what ends up, he's on pace for, you know, 20, 25 points. It is going to be really difficult in that final year of the entry level contract to suddenly hop on to really get on a roll and see what he can end up turning into. And like I said, comparison here in Ottawa, when you look at top picks like a Brady Kachuk, the impact they made to Stutzla and also historically on players staying over in Europe and taking it a year or two. And you look at a guy like Kaprizov. I was looking at his stats the other day and he's spent five years over and everyone was complaining in the KHL well he shouldn't be eligible for the Calder trophy he comes over now five years is too long to wait for a pick as my good friend Justin Murray joins us but still at the end of the day it's had a hell of an impact with Minnesota how you doing there brother good 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 just funny too like and then you look at caught Kimiam and he's having a good year Finally. Yeah. Um, no, he, yeah, I would have never, that, that was a part of the, what do you think when that first happened, Justin? Cause well, I thought it was a, a little bit of a, you know, when, when they first of all did that, it was a pissing contest. All of a sudden yeah. that offer sheet Tahoe was ridiculous. We watched it on yeah. the show and we're digesting. It. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Then the Kotkin Yemi one, I thought, and then to have a contract, which had to, had to on the extension be worked out before with Marcus yeah. Lato, the agent. And, and I thought, man, that seems like a little bit too much, but no. so far this yeah. year, he's kind of, looks like he's finally figured it out. I I'll be honest. I was always kind of a fan. Like I love hockey sense. Um, and I always thought he had hockey sense. It's just, he was so weak, probably not as hard as he should have been. Obviously he wasn't, he was really soft. Um, so for me, it, I saw what he could be, but you just actually didn't know if he was ever going to get to where you thought he could be just because of how soft and weak he was. Um, he's, he seems to be turning it on here. He's 24. It's probably starting to get that man strength, starting to understand, mm -hmm how he can play. Um, and, and it's interesting. So you, 
So you look at Slafoski and you're like, okay, well, this 2020 draft year, guys are starting to go. Like, so you just want to give them time. I uh, Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not going as well as it should be with him. But, um, you know, you want to go five years out from the draft and see where these guys are. Um, even a guy like Quentin Byfield now, you know, is, is starting to play much better. These bigger guys do take time. And, and I think, you know, they have to change their game. They, they used to just do it on size and, and be more mature physically than the other players. And now you're not really as that. And so you have to change your game. So the guys that do change their game a little bit or, or understand the game and how they need to play now um, will kind of get to where they probably should have been. So it'll be, in, he's, he's a, he'll be an interesting guy to watch to see how mm-hmm. he progresses. Um, uh, but there's still hope for him there, but you know, I mean, missing on Brady, um, big one. And that's chasing a chasing centerman, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's really what it came down to. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's, uh, will be, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and to cock and yemi, and I think almost like Mika Sabanajed, I don't look at development very often, Justin, and I don't look in the case of Slavkowski. In two years, if he's not a very good player, I'm not going to question the development because I think a couple of things here, I don't know how good he is. I'm not really overly excited. I think he could be closer to not being a bust, but based on first overall. And I also think the approach they took last year is they're afraid. The Montreal Canadiens were afraid to send him to the World Junior, trying to tell us that, well, he dominated the Olympics the year before. Hey, come on. Go and dominate. Look at a guy like Cooley. He was there. He was in college last year. I think they're trying to protect this player sometimes, and that ends up being the wrong approach. And as far as Kotkaniemi, hey, for any draft, there's no – any trade. And this is the fun part of – and people remind and remind all the time on social media. Uh, Philip Gustafson a year ago, oh, my God. Are you kidding me that they traded him for Cam Talbot? He's saving the day in Minnesota. Cam Talbot's terrible – now we flip the year, and would I still want that player back if I'm them? Absolutely. Uh, I thought that the you know he, you know, but this year he's not playing very great. Talbot's playing great. Point being, on any draft, every situation is different. Every player, but as you know, you can quickly whether you're top ten pick or not. We could see with with Patrick in Philadelphia that very quickly this was headed the wrong direction. Even before he got drafted, other players run into injury. Other players are circumstance. So certainly you have to be cautious of it. But at the same time, you can tell pretty quickly. And that's also where I keep tracing back to, Justin, the history of this staff that works for the Montreal Canadiens, going back and drafting Elias Anderson, Kravtsov, Kako, Lafreniere, and now following up with a guy like Slavkowski in the sense of... Yeah, I've just got some real questions here as to what exactly is kind of happening with the group. So fun with a uh, nice talk with Tony Marinero. That is the Montreal Canadiens. They're not on our radar. Let's shift back here to what was a pretty cool weekend and just thoughts on um, as you're trying to end up figuring this out. What do you got a little headset issue there, Justin? Well, we'll switch back. He's going to end up trying to. We had a little bit of an audio issue. But I think for most Sens fans, it is quite simply coming out of the weekend. Uh, put a poll up talking about two games. I think as people settle in on Monday morning, what are you thinking? You you're thinking, you know what? A couple of victories, not too bad, which I think when you look at the scope of this, I also thought as an event over the weekend, everybody, absolutely outstanding. I had not watched much of this in the past, but I thought the showcase in Stockholm, the way they were able to celebrate Swedish hockey, certainly when you look at a guy like Nylander was kind of the showcase or the big Swede uh, out of the four teams that were over there. But I thought it was first class. I thought it was well attended. And I thought from a hockey standpoint, I know the Montreal, the Minnesota game against Ottawa wasn't the greatest, but that's the way Minnesota plays. I didn't look at that as a fault necessarily of their style or anything else. 
And then the Detroit game was a great back and forth. But I thought for the, thought for the Sens, uh, Justin, that on the weekend, it was just a nice showcase. Let's forget yeah. about the negative. Let's focus on the positive. How did you feel? Just quite simply about winning a couple of hockey games there. And I think overall, a pretty good showcase for the brand. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, you went and got four points in Sweden. That's what you wanted to do. Um, it, did they go about it the way we wanted them to? Maybe not. Um, and improved against Minnesota. Forsberg was really good. That's a good sign. Um, yeah. I think that that was a natural game, how that was going to go against Minnesota, a team that doesn't score a ton, um, and they kind of are a little tighter defensively. Would I – am I extremely happy? No, because they played some <laughs> not great teams, right? So so we're going to have to see this consistently, but we did ask them to win, you know, a one-goal game here at some point and, like, mm-hmm. allowing one goal, and they did. So um, it's signs for life. Do Now they have all week to kind of – I know they have a couple of days off, but some practices, tighten things up again, play the Islanders who are also a team maybe like Minnesota that you should be able to, you know, allow one or two goals here. Um, and then you maybe get yourselves in a groove, but we, we need to, they need to still continue to work mm. on that defensive zone, uh, <laughs> coverage. I mean, we, we all, so when, when, when you say, uh, when you say work on it though, they're not doing anything. And, and this is the part right. of, and again, we will play the games and I know everyone's saying yeah. the same thing. They were supposed to go on to Sweden and work on it. And again, I didn't even want to go down in the pregame on Sunday or Saturday with DJ Smith gets interviewed by Gord Miller, Gord Miller. And you know, this is different as a play by play person starts asking questions on an national level about everyone's talking about your d zone structure lack thereof dj smith didn't even have any answers he kind of switched around and then the 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 speeches and i decide you know what i'm not going to keep beating the dead horse why why are we talking like this justin what why are we talking about they're going to continue to work on it it's not there it's well, not in place. It hasn't happened. No, I'm just saying, though, but this idea, it was supposed to happen in Sweden. It's sure as hell not going to. And now when you look at what's going on here, five of the next six end up being at home. They are going to, and this doesn't set up. I don't care. And this is the other part, too, right now. The Ottawa Senators are a one-line hockey team at even strength. It is all about Stutzla. Joseph, I know some of the numbers are a little better, and they've been yeah. scoring a little bit. But overall, that's the line that's kind of driving yeah. it. You're going to get into a situation here without the long change where after these five and six, you're basically going to play 36 out here, final 61 on the road. I don't know. Like I, I know we, we also don't want to be throwing the season away. This is like the National Football League. We're in week 18, Justin, but nothing's being worked on, and it continues to be talked about. And I know people here get a little bit frustrated, but there was no improvement in what we saw in Sweden. And why would they all of a sudden anything change going into Friday against the Islanders? I, I agree, but we have to, you know, we have to say they, they it needs to be fixed and you just hope that DJ <laughs> okay, it needs to be fixed versus I, yeah, they're working on it. They're not, they're yes, not working I, on no, it. No, I mean, they obviously, and the coach, the co- like and, the, and, the, and well, Gus and the, played and the, well. I see in the comments too, like Gus played well um, in the game. So yeah. maybe they could have scored a little more there, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it might be something we harp on all year, really. Like it's, it's crazy, but uh, you, you know, we're going to see what this team actually is made out of because it's going to be a tough schedule. So um, we're going to find out pretty, pretty quickly if anything changes or not. I'm on the side of, I've been harping on it since I started being on this podcast Mm -hmm. that things need to change, but um, it's, it's just frustrating because I, I I think, I think it's there if, if the right coach is there. Yeah, no, 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 but it, but it is like, it's crazy Say like, well, no, like but, it, but it, with no, good, I don't think he could. I, I don't think he could. But I, I don't. Watch, I, like, I mean, yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know enough about him, Justin. At the end of the day, like I said, uh, to continue to address it or talk about it, um, I thought it was awesome having Alfie on the bench. Uh, I thought that was cool. I thought it was a nice showcase for him because uh, one of the things I touched on on social media and people can get a little bit uh, riled up was, hey, when you go over to Sweden, the pri- profile of Alfie is not like Sunday, not like some of the other players, but at the same time, it was very cool. This was an awesome opportunity for him to be represented in Sweden, uh, to drop the puck. I thought a real uh, uh, ballsy move there. I was almost going to put out on Twitter. Does he do like a classic Swede and walk all the way around after he drops the puck? Or does he go right over to the bench, went right over to the bench? Now, did they have him involved at all? He wasn't involved. He's sitting there, which we totally understand. Unless he's told to come on and coach the players on the bench to make the changes. But I think that's a story for the other day. Let's focus on itself as far as stories. And I'll ask you quickly, uh, I'll leave Alfie alone. Uh, yep. What was kind of your biggest takeaway from the weekend? Was it just the games themselves, the wins? Was it Stutzla as far as some of the world-class talent? Yep. Or was it even just a feel-good story on on Forsberg's play, a uh, nice assist? And I thought, for of all guys, Branstrom, I thought that was a really, really cool moment to see them I, hook up on I, the goal together and, and just how they felt about celebrating the win on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing about sports, eh? Like uh, anything could happen, and and sometimes um, in the perfect situation, the perfect things happen. Um, so it's very cool with Forsberg playing well, and then that pass up to Branny and this little clapper in there. Um, so that was very cool to see. Um, I think overall, the guys got to be feeling good. Um, ran into one of the players last night while having dinner. Um, they seem to be in good spirits and stuff like that. So um, yeah. I, I think I think it's you just got to use these two games as a, as a positive. Look at those positives <laughs> and, and just continue to uh, put your head down and go to work. Um, this is a tough league, and, and you got to be ready every night. Um, but we have some goalies playing well now, um, which will cover some of the mistakes. Um, and, and you just hope guys get scoring here. Um, like I said, Gus played well, my good buddy, uh, Jordan Stitt and, uh, Chad Whitelock in the chat talking about <laughs> that. Um, and, and, and it's true. Like, uh, you just, you just got to get to work here. Um, because your games are at home, you're going to have a little more practices or, <laughs> or, you know, just being around the rink, um, getting some guys healthy back. I think there's some positives here. Um, and it's like I said, just get to work, uh, focus on, on the little things, focus on playing smart. Um, like I onus is on the players at times too right so you know how to manage that puck and and, and it should be a win against the islanders um <laughs> but it's 82 games in the nhl you just never know um so yeah what, what are your thoughts on kind of how sweden went similar? well as far as as far as far as sweden justin i thought it was great I, I again i didn't you know i thought the detroit game was highly entertaining if you want to get into all the chaos of breaking it down but when you looked at the event itself uh, and I think even the owner, and I know Ian had a great interview with him talking to Ann Lauer about the future. How are they feeling coming out of it? Unbelievable. I mean, you're walking on water. It's great. We won the two games. Now, let's reconvene in a month from now, see where the season is at. See where, when we, in 2017, I remember watching those games, and they beat Colorado twice, and I thought to myself, Colorado, mark my words, and I'm right all the time. Colorado's not going to win another game the rest of the year. I think they came back and landed in New Jersey and started on the East Coast and won Ottawa. We had the game against Pittsburgh. It was a showcase. Duchesne, first period, Justin, they played great, and then they just shit the bed. And then the rest of the year, it just went 
went out the window. So let's see what the recovery ends up being. But for itself, as far as a team bonding, and I would have loved to been part of the Saturday night. I bet you the party going on for the boys. I like the bonding. I like the feel around Forsberg having hopped in. Brandstrom, the soft spot of what he's had to overcome. And then for Timmy Stutzla. So that part of it, from an Ottawa Centre's perspective, I thought was outstanding. And there's no doubt if they travel back yesterday, and usually you need a, a day for every hour uh, and when you're trying to end up adjusting from a, from that. So six hours, so six days, you'll end up having the New York Islanders show. That should end up working out well for Ottawa. So I feel good about everything that happened. And there's also no doubt when you, from a, a player's perspective, not that you don't worry, not that you're, you know, you got the blinders on all the time. Do you feel better getting back to work today without all the noise in the media necessarily? It's quiet as we come back here in Ottawa, but do you feel better after winning a couple of hockey games? Absolutely you do. So I think that bodes well, kind of setting up for the New York Islanders. The question is the simple reality of the schedule, the schedule, as far as the density of it, the schedule, quite simply with the amount of road games, when you get back to the tactical portion of a tired hockey team, how the second periods and everything else, then you start to get a little bit nervous. But there's no doubt, Justin, waking up today as an organization or or waking up yesterday, returning back to the ice, even in the in the, in the scout in the in this uh, practice today that ended up being an optional. Both goaltenders look like they had almost all the players there. All those things right now are the Ottawa Senators on this Monday in November feeling good about themselves, Justin? Absolutely. I think that they've rolled back and at least as a group feel like you know what we're in a pretty good spot here, one game over 500. Yeah, I mean, all things considered, I mean, it's pretty crazy that they are one game over 500. So there's there end a bunch <laughs> of games in hand, although Ian Mendez doesn't like that. But it's it is true they they have a couple of games in hand. Win those, you're right in the thick of things. Um, it's like the season starts over then, and, and you're just ready to go. Now, like you said, big tough schedule going to be for the rest of the year <laughs> because of this trip. We'll have to see how they react, and 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 that that will give. Uh, Steos a chance to really see who these who these players are and, and what they're made of, I think. Uh, and that will set up nicely in the long term to see what kind of character these guys are. Um, and if and if they're going to let this bother them with the travel or not, or they're going to just go out and, and prove that this team is good and, and each guy playing well. So, um, yeah, I think it's probably very, very good, good vibes uh, yeah. the Sands well, and in the Sands room right now because of being together over in Sweden, but the winds compounding. Um, yeah, I, I got to think it's all all good vibes there. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the spacing, and I will be curious because you could certainly see, and it's not everybody. I think one of the focuses for myself was Claude Drew, especially in game one, really struggling. And then I looked to age. Uh, you look at a guy like uh, Tarasenko, and then on the back end, and Tarasenko wasn't bad, but I'm just looking for, hey, what is the level of play for those guys? Is it a little harder to adjust? Then what is it going to look like? And this is physically, I've got to think between playing on Saturday, playing Friday, having the break till Monday, then having more time. That shouldn't be an excuse, but how much does the body get back to being normal for everybody? And a guy like Travis Hamannick, that was the struggles of, and this is a part for a season of, I'm not going to see it Friday. I'm not going to see it Monday. I probably won't see it for another month. Which of the athletes on the Ottawa Senators have gone through a bit of a, a threshold where if the legs do go, if physically they become a little bit compromised, is it going to be hard as a group to recover? Now from that, we see that Thomas Shabbat is back skating. I've got to think he tries to come back, Justin, sooner than later in a sense of just protecting the hand, won't be able to shoot the puck, but can skate. And then the other one would be Ridley Gregg. What is the news on that? 
Uh, rumors are that possibly he's back skating, the but streets. those are the little things there of a little bit of a reinforcement to take some pressure off some guys. And you get into that stretch and that schedule that is along with staying healthy, I think is going to go a long ways. Cause when they set yeah. this up, obviously they had to have, have in mind a good start, lots of home games, which they've had, they've had an okay start going to Sweden, yeah. having the rest, everything's been built in, but all of a sudden it is the old iceberg there and it is the old Titanic and she's a coming and how's the ship going to end up being able to hold yeah. her off a little bit as you, you, you yeah. see it. And what do they say? Nine tenths of it's underwater. How yeah. is the old ship going to hold up when you hit the old iceberg? Um, yeah, no, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, you hope their injuries are, are mostly done for the year. Um, I mean, there's going to be a couple others for sure, but you hope that they kind of went through that already. Um, it'll be a fine balance too, but between, making guys rest and be healthy and fully uh fully fit to play versus um practicing too because with this long road trip uh mm -hmm. you know uh, there's going to be a bunch of away games so it's it's going to have to find a balance there for sure um but i think i think they'll do a good job on that or they'll at least attempt to um and it's really it's going to be up to these players to uh dig deep because it is going to be tough it's not going to be easy but this is the national league and and it's never easy so yeah um, and, and and in going through the teams it is fun to watch us because you, you look at the group and like i said my great storyline and we we're talking about tony marinaro before he came on talking about matthew joseph uh it is just fun in hockey in sport in being wrong at least in my case or anybody else but how refreshing that story and when he and stutzla enter Giroux, the way that they played, the way they played five on five, the way they play properly, I keep calling them the old triangle laying, uh, those little stories there and that positive. But that's where the question comes for me. When I watch Norris, Kachuk and Tarasenko, I know on the surface, Justin, there's some pretty good things. What I don't know is, is there enough pace in that group? Is there enough puck protection? Is there enough? And then I guess I'd ask the other question. We see Josh Norris with the one-timer on the power play all the time. After watching him in the shootout the other day, where is that shot at even strength all the time? Like, my yeah. oh my. Well, was it an absolute gorgeous goal scorer's goal that he scored in the shootout yeah. to help, help win that game on uh, on Saturday against Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to be super hard on him just because of how much time he's missed. But yeah, at yeah. some point we're we're going to have to see that here on the on the uh, at even strength and and a lot of that is just spacing and creating you know finding the soft areas. That's what the goal scorers do. The real good goal scorers with the good shots. You know, you might be the last guy into the zone at times, and you just sneak into a little spot and mm -hmm. boom, it's in the net. Um, but so we'll have to see that. Um, but that comes with with timing and 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 just playing more. Um, and, and I hope to see him back, you know, in that, you know, high thirties goal mark, if, if possible, it'd be pretty good for the team there. Um, yeah. Did we want to do some questions or? Yeah, absolutely. No? Yeah. Let's get, yeah, let's, let's get a let's couple minutes here. Just I see I, the chat's yeah. on fire here. So. Okay. Well. Yeah. Let, let's fire it up. It'll be a fun thing on a Monday. Yeah. They're kind of been back and forth having Tony and, uh, yeah. having that. So let's mix in a little chat action. Yeah. Yeah. So when Shabbat comes back, does JBD stay with Chickering? Uh, well, first of all, absolutely not. Uh, mm. I, I mean, let, let's be realistic about the team and the thoughts. And this is, I respect for every coach. Do coaches love the veteran players? Absolutely. I think about a guy like Bob Hartley back in the day who, and Guy Boucher was like this. Maybe it's a French-Canadian thing. It felt like they wanted their own players, Justin, all the time. Mm. Let's be honest, in a locker room, when Thomas Shabbat comes back, he's an AAV of $8 million, He's going up to $10 million. Do you think right now he's going to slide into a third pairing and play behind JBD? Well, of course not. He's better than JBD. And I don't mind JBD's game, and I think he stepped up a little bit, but I still look at the one-on-one -on -one battles, still have a lot of concern. So Shabbat's yeah. going to go in with Chikrin 
All I'd ask on Shabbat is, let's see, we get back to trying to play properly. The big question is, would the coaching staff have the balls? Because as I said, I'm not completely sold on JBD. Would I switch JBD for Hamannick right now? Absolutely. And I love Travis Hamannick in the sense of a good pro. But when you look at his gap control, you look at how much trouble he's in all the time, Justin. That's where I'd be curious. Would you be willing to give JBD an opportunity to play with Brandstrom and see what that's like as a pairing? So, hey, of course, Shabbat's going to yeah. go back into that spot. But would they be willing to sit a guy like yeah. Travis Hamannick? That's when... And I, I love this with the underlying numbers because I'm not a huge numbers guy. You have the eye test for him and a good guy. But at the end of the day, that's the move that the coach has to have the balls to make to take the next level step as a club is putting JBD in with Branstrom. A hundred percent. I, I, that scares me a little bit when I think about it, just because they're both probably not JBD is not like undersized, but he, he doesn't play big for his size. So that's no, having those no. guys, but, but, but I would like to see it. It's, it's worth a shot to see it um, for a couple of games. Cause I'm not a huge Hamnick fan. Um, obviously I think Shabbat's going to slide up there into the top four as he should. Um, and, and you hope from him when he comes back, just give it, give good consistent minutes of moving that puck up, try to be in your zone less. You don't need to bring that <laughs> offensive flair uh, right now. I, I don't think just, just focus on, on your own end and being a transporter of the puck and move that puck. And I, and I think, I think you you would, we would be surprised with what we see. I think, I think it's there. Um, he just needs to focus on that and not, you know, and play maybe a little last minutes and, and understand mm -hmm. that, Hey, I can, I can go a little harder in the last minutes that I'm playing now. Um, is yeah. Like and well, it's, it's a little bit back to the team play and I'm smiling cause I'm laughing a little yeah. bit and, and I love Thomas Shabbat, but you go back to quite simple. Listen, I want you to play tonight. What do I want you to do? I want you to go between the offensive dot and the defensive dot. I don't need you to be circling all the time. Yeah. Can you play basically forward and backward skating between those two dots, keep people to the outside, do all the simple things that you're trying to do regardless and when you talk about jbd i totally understand i think you're referencing the pairing with 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 brandstrom well first of all brandstrom has become a fairly solid defender and is a better defender than jbd despite his size but at the end of the day is it a perfect combination no but would another partner that in my estimation is better than Hamannick give Branstrom some time and, and, and alleviate that justin absolutely because the problem you run in with Hamannick, he's always in trouble and that's not the spot where, yeah. where Branstrom's at right now. He needs a little bit better of a partner. So I think that would be cool. Yeah. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But they're certainly going to get back to the top four. What you might hope with Thomas Shabbat, does he come back with a bit of a soft cast on the hand? Does that allow him to play a little simpler, Within to play himself, defensively? Yeah. But unfortunately, we see him when he's practicing, one hand on the stick, lots of circles. That's the part that you'd ask as a reset because he's a tremendous athlete. Feels like he's a great kid, great guy now. Yeah. Um, but is that going to happen in season? Probably not. Are they a better team when he hops in with with Chicker and he slide JB Dean, JBD down? Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, let's do another one. Yeah. So does the Alfie factor start to turn things around? Uh, and do they concentrate on changing the way they play in their zone? <laughs> I know. Uh, absolutely not, Jeffrey. Um, you know, first of all, they didn't. And this would be the part of Daniel Alfredson, Justin, isn't sitting up top and having to go down on the bench to kind of explain. I, I just wondered the dynamic from Ann Lauer to Steos to Alfie when you watch a game. And it is almost, it's very strangely, you want to be on the international showcase if you're Ottawa. Well, you were on the showcase. And what were people asking? And this was with Cheryl Pounder. This was with, with, with Gord Miller, with a lot of 
of other people in the hockey world are asking, why are the Sens not playing properly? Well, nobody had the answer. There's been no teaching that's gone on. There's been nothing that's happened to kind of change that. Do I think Daniel Alfreds as an individual in practice and on the bench could do that? Of course he could. That's the way he played. Now, how you do that, I've never been a coach, Justin, at the end of the day. But unless you allowed Alfie carte blanche on the bench to go in and teach versus sitting there in practice to do different things. And then the other part that I love about Alfie, and it's a bit different. I don't think he's going to go the full gear. But I love when Luke Richardson used to do that in bingo. At least he could go out practically for where he's at physically and show guys. You know what I mean? You don't have to sit on tape. I don't have to do things on the bench. Let's go out. Let's actually go on the rink. Let's show how tactically I'm going to use my body. Let's go over to Drake Batherson, show how I'm going to get pucks out in the zone. There is a ton that Alfie could end up doing. Has he had any effects so far? None. But he hasn't been really asked to do that. He was just around symbolically on the weekend to show some respect, which I love too. I thought it was awesome what the auto centers did. What's that? He was doing a little practice for the last week or two, right? Yeah, I don't don't know, Justin, if it's every day or all the time. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I'm not sure. But, But let's say he's not doing anything on the bench anymore. In practice, you hope, Okay, he was the keep away master. You hope that he maybe teaches some of these work ethics uh, in practice. Guys stay on the ice a little longer and work on the little things. And and those aren't going to change overnight. But over time, you hope you build maybe a little bit of a culture of wanting to be on the ice, wanting to work on the little things. Well, like you Mm -hmm. said, learning how to flip pucks out if you have to, if you're in trouble or learning how to protect the puck on a four check when you when when you're first to get it. All those little things that Alfie was really good at. You just hope, mm-hmm. and you hope that he builds the culture. Um, and that, to me, can be separate from being a coach on the bench. Um, that, to me, that's almost like a like a hitting coach or or something like that, where mm-hmm. you're you're just going in and focusing on some little things that aren't taking mm-hmm. away from the rest of your game. You hope that he can kind of build maybe a little bit of culture there of guys yeah. wanting to improve and and learning to improve and staying. Ryan O'Reilly was the best at that in the NHL. He mm-hmm. It was the practice, then the Ryan O'Reilly practice after. And all the guys that stayed on there, Sam Ryan, all those guys that wanted to, they got better because it was all little mm-hmm. things. And you just hope that gets built into your organization. And, and that comes over time. Um, but will that happen? That remains to be seen. Yeah, and, and they're great points, Justin, and I love what you're talking about. I you know saw that with Dale Hunter. You see that with a lot of players. Now, Dale was during his career and after, but Ryan O'Reilly, when you think about it, I wonder if you know, Patrice Bergeron, here's a few layers. I think Claude Drew at times has come in and tried to do as much as he can, but Claude Drew, as good as a two-way player he is, a lot of the things that he's good at are offensively, comes to face-offs. So from a teaching element, and this is the part, and I always say, Justin, I've never been a coach, but I'd look at this realistically as Alfie. What would I do with Drake Batherson? First of all, I'd probably hang around him a little bit. I'd just yep. sit and talk, kind of see where you're at. What's your headspace? Then I'd probably just sit down and watch a little video. And at this point in his career, I'd probably pull it over to the player and say, hey, what are you seeing here? What are you doing? And then what I'd probably do individually is go out and say, listen, why don't we just go out on the ice together and go through all three phases of the game? What are you seeing in the defensive side? What are you seeing in the neutral zone? And what are you seeing offensively? Where are some areas that as an individual that I could take you to have you improve a little bit? Those are the things that I try to do from a teaching element. And then the other part, and this is the one that's the key, and it really doesn't matter what we're doing. I can go out and this is the part. And, and are the players being kind, Alfie? Absolutely. Do they love Alfie? Absolutely. Do they respect Alfie? Absolutely. Are they giving him lip service and smiling to tell him how great he is and then walking away and probably forgetting about some of it? Absolutely they are. 
Do you know why? Because there's no accountability. The only way that would work with Alfie is if you sat down with Drake Batherson and said, listen, this is what you have to improve on. And you also sat down with DJ Smith. And when it didn't go right, Justin, what do you do? You actually sit him down. We're seeing situations. Patrick Liney in the National Hockey League is being a healthy scratch. Yeah. Sens fans must be scratching their head when you see a guy like Drake. And I've been so, and of all players this weekend, I thought about Justin, I've been so tough on a guy like uh, uh, William Nylander over the years. And then I'm thinking to myself, why am I, which nobody You're cares. coming around, Johnson. Simmer. No, right. no, 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 but, but who am I to be questioned William Neat? Now you can get into the contracts, which I understand, yeah. but how can I be hard on William Nylander for what he accomplishes in comparison to Drake Batherson? So that's the phase where the Ottawa Senators are at, but until yeah. the teaching, and like I said, the players are saying how much they love Alfie having around. And I know the fans love Alfie, Justin, and he's, yeah. he's well-respected, but don't ever kid yourself that the players at the same time are saying what the media wants to hear. No, and I, I don't mean that as, I don't mean behind the scenes. They think, oh, you know, uh, Alfie's an a-hole or I'm not listening to him, but I don't have to. I got my contract. We're doing okay. He's mm -hmm. hanging around. Do you really want to take it to the next There's level? Bigger the exactly. There's bigger things there. Exactly. There's they're... bigger things than the coach then. We got to trade these players because if you're not, and I don't think that's the case, I'm just saying if they're not going to be rubbing off or hanging around Alfie and and mm -hmm. knowing that they could get better by being around and, and doing some mm -hmm. extra stuff at practice, those aren't the guys you want on your team. I'm not saying that's they're doing point. that. I'm yeah, not saying yeah. they're doing that, but but because there's no accountability doesn't not mean that you can't have accountability of yourself and yeah. want to get better. And I think yeah. there are guys on this team that do want to do that. So, oh, I, so I, yeah, I don't is it going to be everyone? Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go. But, to but, the next but, one. But, no, okay. I, I, no, no, we will just, but I'm just, I got lots to talk about because I had three yep. coffees today. So I'm kind of yeah, rolling. No, that's fine. That's no, fine. no, <laughs> what, what you're saying, but, but, but I'll use an example like Jake Sanderson. I, there's not much I need to do other than he, you have to make sure that we're just kind of fine tuning him. but Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutz would be a great example. And I'll just go right to Brady Kachuk. What's not to love about Brady Kachuk, but is there a ton that he can do better as a hockey player? Well, absolutely. And I couldn't believe, and I'm not going to for a second say that Brady Kachuk is Matt Sundin, but I'll never forget in Toronto when the few years that I was there, how nobody talked to Matt Sundin, nobody addressed him. And of all things, when we wanted to trade him, and it wasn't on Sean Simpson's uh, Rolodex, but who's going to talk to him? The intimidation and the lack of accountability, he would come to training camp every year. He wouldn't do the physical testing. And I thought to myself, I don't care who you are. If you were, and we went with, through this with Yager back in the day, you know, listen, you want to be a Stanley cup champion. I want you all to show up and end up doing it, but who is going to be accountable? And for Brady Kachuk, what's not to love. And I know Brady Kachuk is full of passion. His work ethic is kick ass, but does that mean that they're doing enough to sit down with him and try to correct some of the things that he's doing in his game? I certainly don't see it at the end of the day, Justin, but as you said, that's where it would also filter down. And I don't think Brady's quite at that spot. He's at that spot as far as his leadership in. He's bought in, wants to win. He's going to come out and bust his ass, play 110%, and he's going to protect you. But is his game at the point where he's truly playing properly, that he can hold other guys accountable? I'm not so sure about that one right now. On to question number three. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We got some of your buddies sending some questions in as well. I, I I'm not sure. Uh, okay. Well, up whatever's yet. up there yeah. is fun. Yeah. Who yeah. comes out of the lineup when Greg is healthy and Pinto becomes available? I mean, uh, just off the bat, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows. Uh, <laughs> I don't like Sharche as much. I, I think we could have a better. And he's been good for mm -hmm. what he is and to mm -hmm. fill that role. He's been good. But I think, like, if you can have 
Now you want Greg playing more minutes, but if he's playing that like those tougher fourth line minutes, but also playing like penalty kill and that, and then slides up on your mm-hmm, whenever mm-hmm. you need to, I think then you're like you're like oh we have a really good team, right? Like because <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. you got to think about it as or as a top four team in the NHL. Like if yeah. that's how you that's how you want your lineup. Do we have a good enough yeah. lineup to be that? And then yeah. if you have those guys in those spots. Um, yeah. I think that's natural. So I think obviously Pinto goes to the uh, third line. Um, and it's just really who centers that fourth line. Yeah. I, I think, you know, what, yeah, exactly. What do you well, think? Well, yeah. well, here's, here's where we go through Justin. And I, as I said, I hope you're not in a rush and whether nope. people are listening or not, I look at this, here's a few things and, and every time, and this is the fun part of doing four hours of radio, or you've been in war rooms. Every time you say something sparks another thing. I love Mr. McEwen. I, I bet he's an awesome guy. One thing I don't like about my tough guys is getting beat up all the time, and especially in today's National Hockey League. <laughs> Where did this yeah. guy come from? And and I'm glad he got a one-way contract. Good for him. And people used to joke last year about Austin Watson. Well, this guy busted his balls. He also was very physical. He was extremely involved as far as what he was able to do. Um, you know, and And I look at that and say, wow, okay. Where are you going to be as a player? Well, of course, he's going to move out. I'll be quite honest with you. This is the way I would do, and it's super drastic. I always focus on my top nine. When Pinto and Greg come back, what do I do? I'll be quite honest with you. Ridley Gregg's my second line center right now. Yeah, I actually yeah, think he's my second right. guy. Might yeah. might yeah. be my third. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. And, yeah. and the part that I'd end up doing, and to shift things around, I wouldn't even worry about the fourth line. If Kubalik slides down, what do you end up doing, Justin? At the end of the day, my center ice is actually going to be Stutzla, Greg, and Pinto. I'm going to yeah. slide Josh Norris over to the left side people say with the shoulder the physicality don't worry about it it's easier doing that than it is actually playing uh as a center trying to take face off so that's the way i'd end up moving around and then the fourth line Charche for a fourth line center i don't have any issue with him at all he actually skates he tracks uh he does things could he use a little more support around him oh absolutely at the end of the day but that's the way i would shift around the lineup let's see uh when we end up getting to that spot yeah, it's going to be a good top nine with those guys in the lineup. Exactly. And that's yeah. what teams should focus on. And I talked about that with Tony. Think about yeah. your duos. Think about your compliments like Matthew Josephs. Greg ends up being that type of guy. Quit trying to focus. And last year on paper, you had this incredible top six team here in Ottawa. But after the first line, they were crap. And we have yeah. a little bit, unfortunately, not quite that mix yet. So if I was a coaching staff, i try to play around with it a little bit after Stutzla, Giroux, and, uh, and, and our good friend, Matthew Joseph. Yeah. Yeah, I if for some reason I just always like a real good fourth line center. Um, oh, absolutely! Yeah, I think they could, yeah. like a guy that could play. Just help your team win uh, when it yeah. gets tough. Regular season, it might not matter as much, but in the in yeah. the playoffs, winning those draws and, and just yeah. playing solid and and knowing you're probably going to win your fourth yeah. line shifts. Yeah, I thought I thought Castle like might evolve a little more. Yeah, uh, yeah, know, I he agree hasn't quite found, I agree. He hasn't yeah. quite found it with the pace, but I thought a bigger body can be yeah. a little nasty, can slide up to the third line once in a while. Uh, unfortunately, uh, pace just isn't quite there yeah. for him. Yeah. All right, a couple awesome. more here, then we can wrap yeah, this yeah. bad boy up. Yeah. All right, there's my friend Jordan Stitt. Um, if there was uh, a time the to stitter. change a coach, isn't it now? They have five, ga- five days off right now to tweak the system before the – they play 15 games in December. Um, yeah. I just think it's tough after wins. Um, it, what, should it happen? Probably. We've been harping on that since we started the pod. Should it happen? Um, is that realistic? Very rarely do you see that in the NHL, mm-hmm. um, especially you know with no true GM in place. I don't know if the, in the background if they've been talking to guys or, or not, um, but you'd have to 
have a real good established guy ready to go if that was the case. And I know I made a little joke about Alfie being the coach just because of everything that's going oh, yeah. on. But yeah. but yeah, they they do need an established guy that has um that could demand respect and isn't gonna bow down to the players. They're gonna push them and challenge them and and not be afraid of those players. Um yeah. and that and that takes a that takes a veteran veteran coach. Um, could, should it happen? Should it have happened already in a perfect world? Probably, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. this world is imperfect. So yeah. And, and as far as when she made the coaching change, I would have made it last week. I'd make it today. Yeah. It, it had to happen. It has to happen. I don't care about the wins and losses. Hey, the Detroit game almost became a, a might've been a defining moment where he might've got fired. So yeah. if that's touch and balance, you score the one goal for Brandstrom. Hey, this is a group that has come in and Ann Lauer wants to be best in choice or best in show, or whatever the hell it is. Sounds like a class guy done everything right. Bringing Alfie back. But in the case of Steve Steos, had no idea or no thought that all of a sudden Pierre Doran be done. I think he's come in and I won't use the term over his head, but he's learning the industry. Are they in a situation now where they're going to be reactive versus proactive? Hey, this is totally a reactive group. They also, it feels like to Steos, and I used my little Newport Sports last week and good old Pat Morris, but it feels like between them and ownership that they like DJ Smith. They're going to give him every yeah. opportunity. So how this is going to play out and what fans, unfortunately, and this is the part because I want to keep the co- the podcast going the whole winter time. This is going to turn into a disaster from the auto center side, unfortunately, because that is the way the schedule is setting up. All of this crap we keep talking about of how they need a reset and how they're going to correct things. Nothing has been corrected. Nothing will be corrected until you have a coaching change. And unfortunately, that's going to come now at a spot where if you were to do anything, you'll probably be in a situation where you're not ready for the playoffs. You're not going to make it, Justin. And yeah. at the same time, the schedule is going to be so overwhelming. Anybody coming in, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, you know, listen, I'm just going to ride it the rest of the way. What we want to do here is we want to assess the rest yeah. of the season. That's on Sean Simpson. And I'm actually in a real good mood. Sunny out, went for a walk with Echo the dog, had a couple of coffees. Life's but this good, part of when we keep talking about these darn resets of, you know, now they got to start playing pro- like ah, all of a sudden Friday, they're going to start playing properly. That was supposed to happen in Sweden. Not going to happen. That's my forecast for the future. Now, yep. on a positive side, I was completely wrong about Tarasenko. I was completely <laughs> wrong about Matthew Joseph. So I don't know if ha- things happen necessarily in threes, Justin, but I could be. And it is possible. Wouldn't that be I could nice, be completely eh? wrong on it. So exactly. Like but that's just my that's cup. just my Let's that's go. just my feeling when you're when you get you you are about to head into it. You know, have you have you ever read the book or watched the movie The Perfect Storm? No, I haven't. Okay, but. one of my favorite books of all time. It's a true story. Uh, ends up having Mark Wahlberg, and it was a famous boat that ended up being a, 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 a fishing boat out of Gloucester, Mass. And this is a true storm, and it was a perfect storm. It was three different, one from the south, one coming over across the Flemish Cap, and then one coming across Canada, and they all came together to make the perfect storm. Now, the perfect storm, unfortunately, ended up killing them. That was the end of their, obviously, their fishing season. So my uh, Ottawa Senators, unfortunately, the theme for coming up with the schedule right now is a perfect storm justin and that's not in a good way now i don't know if you're checking your weather app now we don't have a perfect storm coming here for ottawa in the forecast right now but as i'm looking into my crystal ball over here i'm kind of seeing as we get into december that's unfortunately what's going to happen because here's the part when you get tired and we saw this a bit over the weekend you are going to get into a spot here this was an incredibly favorable schedule justin even the next five or six at home is not a bad one if you could run the table here and end up 14 and seven you'd kind of be like okay 
But all yeah. of a sudden, good old Mother Nature is going to click in. And as we know, there's no hiding. When all of a no. sudden, and I don't think we, well, we're still in November. We could even go with a bit of Gord's Gold and a little Edmund Fitzgerald. But you know how that works. Mm. And all of a sudden, the cold water of November comes in the Great Lakes. That's what the schedule is setting up for, yeah. for December no, for it's, me. It's, and there's no way around it. Road games, long changes, tired hockey club, no system. What do you happen? You crap the bed. <laughs> Perfect storm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, well, you, right, could be, you could be just like, what was the actor that he li that liked to crap in his own bed there? The, I, don't, the, I, don't, hey? I don't even, I'm bad with that stuff. I'm well, the actor that. that was just, uh, anyway, uh, ah, anyways. Okay. We'll carry on. <laughs> we don't need that All one. Right, All right. One more here. Do, we would wrap that bad boy up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If this team gets healthy and goes on a run, has a fire GM ever got votes for GM of the year? I, I'll just be short and simple. That <laughs> won't happen. Um, uh, you, you know what? The, the, the votes for the general manager I, of the year, first of all, are an interesting thing because the executive of the year is voted on by the other general managers, is it yeah. not? Yeah. Yeah. So the, that first of all, here's a couple of things here. Uh, I would say, and I don't think this is a Will Smith 10-year ban for slapping uh, Chris Rock in the face. But I would think that you are not going to be eligible by the other general managers for losing your job for lying or fibbing or missing out on information yeah. that cost your team a first round pick. I don't think that would be a great look. So I know you're trying to have some fun with it, but at the end of the day, probably not. All right, let's do one more. Why yeah, not? well, if quick. you have a few more, let's fire them up. Like I said, yeah. I, it's, it's fun to talk a little hockey yeah. or whatever yeah. people have coming in. Yeah. All right. Not saying that Alfie will replace DJ. Uh, is there a realistic chance that Seos might make them work together? Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's just, if I'm DJ, I'm allowing it to tap and I don't, I don't want people scared to have other people around that might, you know, gain power or replace me. I want the best around me. And then overall mm -hmm. we do a better job. So I, I think that if I'm DJ or Seos, I think we got to incorporate Alfie more mm -hmm. and more and, and why not? Um, and that could just be simple things as practice, as we talked about earlier um, to be the head coach. Do I think it's going to happen? Do I think Alfie wants that? No. Do I actually think he could do a good job with uh, mm -hmm. a good assistance, Jacques Martin maybe, and someone else around him? Then I think you're like, he's just managing the players, which I think he would mm -hmm. be awesome at and let, let, the assistants do what they do best, but I don't think that's realistic. I think this team is mm -hmm. going to go after a good veteran coach. Um, yeah. and that's probably going to be in the off season realistically, um, when that happens. What do yeah. You think? And, and, and the part to address and here's if you're calculating and you're looking at the situation right now with Ottawa, there would be the odd coach or the odd, I don't want to say X player, but there might be somebody that say, listen, there's no way I'm going to touch this team. I'm not going to come in when it's a shit show and be a part of it. I don't think Alfie sees it that way. And let's face facts. If DJ Smith gets fired, the next group comes in. It's not like Alfie is part of that group and has to be pushed to the side. Alfie can hop right in. As far as on a personal level, was he want to coach in the National Hockey League? As Mark Mathot points out, the delegation of even all of a sudden being behind. Here's the part. I don't even think he'll be behind the bench Friday because the next phase of this is attaching yourself to the hockey team where you have to be there every day. You have to be at every game. So I don't see that happening. Uh, how it plays in the future, what it's done. Like I say, the real key on Alfie right now to unlocking and if you're watching right now, old Pandora's box, 
you've got to allow him to go in and not be, hey, bud, how are you doing today? And how are you taping your stick here? And, oh, my God, it looks like you have a new pair of skates on. How about you grab Drake Batherson by the scuff there and bring him over to the side and say, listen, man, I know you're a hell of a hockey player. I know you can be better. Do you want to work together? And all of a sudden affect some change in your game. they got to allow him to dig deep, to do the deep dive into the hockey team here to try to make some improvements. This idea of just hanging around and being around, it's awesome. It looks great. Is it affecting any real change in anybody? Not a chance. No. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. Um, they're saying no more questions. So, All right. Well, all we right. got no more we'll questions s- there now. We're going to have our good friend Liam McGuire on yesterday. Uh, Liam's got to hop up and visit mom in Quebec City. Um, so we're working on a couple of other things there. Um, so right now that's going to be left yeah. open. But nice to have a little Monday hockey chalk. As I said, yeah, these are weird weeks on the Ottawa Centers. going to kind Sweden. of weird, eh? Yeah, so now you don't have. It'll be every to- day. We're just either talking about the, game, the night before or the game the next day. Like so, it'll just be rolling. But yeah, exactly. And yeah. and also to that, some questions over the weekend. Couple things on Ridley Greg, and I don't know. And this is even people talking of all the rumors. And I don't know if it's just here in Ottawa, Justin, or it's changed. But it always seems a bit mysterious. On we don't get much information on injuries. I just hope the fellas back skating. There was some stuff on social media about having a torn ACL. Let's got it. I've all young men that have some injuries. And then the other one, this Tyler Boucher thing is, and I, I wish the fella nothing but the best, but like this tweet groin the day of training camp and has not played in Belleville. And now it's just kind of gone quiet and talking to people in Belleville as well. Just kind of a quick thought. I don't think there's much going on down there right now as far as if you think someone's coming in to save the day. Now, you've already got guys here that are basically borderline American League players. Uh, the highlight from what I'm understanding, quite simply, has been the play of Sogard, who we saw on the bench on Saturday, and Marilyn and some of the small sample size. So that's kind of the update, uh, the intrigue. But for this hockey club, without a doubt, and I guess we can also keep counting down. Uh, what are we now to? 28 games till Mr. Pinto actually returns. Yeah. So with yeah. the Fast and Furious of December, not going to be long before he's back in a Ridley, Greg. And I think that would be really exciting uh, from a sense standpoint. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I called him the myth the other day, Marilyn. And I had some people wondering why just because when yeah, he got drafted, uh, okay. so it's kind of our group chat joke, but when he got drafted, there was like no video, no stats on him. So we okay. really didn't know what was going on about him. So it became the myth. And I guess I just thought that everyone called him the myth when I, and then I realized that. Well, he saw the, 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 the Marilyn and like the magician, right? Is it yeah, like Merlin, yeah. right? Like yeah, I, I could, to- exactly. you could totally see that in Finland, kind of Northern Finland being up in Olu and, and having the Merlin magician outfit going, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah right? exactly. <laughs> yeah. But both of those guys certainly looks like they have a real good future. Yeah, I thought that I was agree. pretty cool on the weekend that you had a Swede, a Finn and a Danish player uh, yeah. as far as goaltenders. And also let's hope Cor- Corpus Al is all right. I love the yeah. Forsberg story. And I was thinking yeah, during too. that game, Justin, before we shut down here, of a guy a couple of years ago was on waivers again. I'm sure he and his camp and his family at that point thought, I got a pretty good chance in two years, a better chance to be playing in the Swedish Hockey League than I do being the first goaltender to ever play a game in Sweden as a Swede to win an NHL game. So to me, that felt great. And Branstrom yeah. scoring the goal and just everything around that. Yeah, being the but point being, hopefully Corpus Allo's all right. Neither of these guys have ever had a huge workload. No. Corpus Allo's had a high of 39 games, Forsberg 41. But I'll say this, if Forsberg plays big and strong and everything that he did on Saturday, boy, oh boy, that'll bode well for the second half or into the tough stretch of the schedule, Justin, because I thought technically that guy was locked in. And same thing for Gus the bus. That was a hell of a goaltending clinic by the two Swedes on Saturday. It was, it was, it was good to see. So, all right, well, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And don't forget, stay classy, Otto, until next time, over and out, simmer down. 
Go Eagles. Cheers. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast Simmer Down with John Simpson on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.